You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show too. Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. plus Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. Hi, everybody. Coming up, Nicole tells your fortune, looking ahead. So get out your crystal and stay tuned with Mistress Nicole. All dressed in leather, you won't forget her. You want to love her and you won't let go. Who's that woman, crazy woman, Nicole? Donnie, Donnie, who are you kidding? Frankly, we did win this election. Everything you deny, you're admitting. No collusion, no quid pro quo. You can blame the insurrection on X, Y, or Q. Spike in the vote couch, half by China. Release the Kraken. But all of that Q and nonsense points back to you. I only need 11,000 votes. Fellas, give me a break. Donnie, we got your number. You should be in the pen. Yeah, you should wear a number for T-R-E-A-S-O-N. are compelling you thought the Congress the courts and the country were yours like your caddy your coke and your coke conspirators Donnie we got your number you should be in the pen yeah you should wear a number Conceded, 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 they were gracious in defeat. 
conceited, conceited. You're a big lead, narcissistic key. We will never give up, we will never concede. Change the GOP, sure as shooting. Your favorite president of all time, better than Lincoln, better than Washington. Now it stands for grifters of Putin. Donnie, we got your number. You should be in for ten to life. Yeah, you should wear a number for T R E A S O Zimmerman. Yeah, that one just went up, you know, a couple hours ago. I love it when I open the YouTube and I find a new parody song from Roy Zimmerman or Randy Rainbow or Lauren Mayer or, you know, the the, the Marsh family. Uh, but there you go. Roy Zimmerman. He's not as prolific as many of them, but he's always really good. Uh, so, hey, welcome to a Wednesday. I can't even believe it's only Wednesday. Uh, we can start with a bit of Breaking news, Javanka has been subpoenaed. Yes, Jared and Ivanka are the latest to for Jack Smith to say, come on down. Now, um, we, you know, we don't know the details of that. And sometimes that's a good thing. Right now, we're, we're scratching our heads trying to understand what the deal is with this woman What's her name? Emily, uh, Emily Coles, Emily Kors, K-O-H-R-S, Emily Kors. So I did a little digging and I found out, yes, indeed, Emily Kors was the foreperson of the grand jury convened by Fannie Willis down in Fulton County, Georgia. And that release that that gave their final report to the D.A., And the judge ordered that most of it be withheld until a until the the investigation is complete. Now, this is really, really important. If (laughs) if if there's going to be a prosecution of anybody, and we certainly hope there's going to be a prosecution. I don't know who told her it would be a good idea to go and do some press tour. Um, and she was oh so coy and giggly and really annoying. Um, and so here's what I learned that Emily Coors has never voted. She was unaware of the phone call between Trump and, um, the secretary of state. And she was unaware of any of that before she sat on this grand jury. Now, I guess on one hand, That's a good thing. They picked 16 to 24 random Georgians. But shouldn't you have some basic knowledge of what's going on in the world if you're going to do this? I I know you've seen enough of her today, probably more than enough of her today, but I'm still trying to grok (laughs) what, what, what went on here. 
What is going on here? So, you know, I guess I'll pile on and play some. Um, so apparently, and this is according to NBC News, <laughs> that they got the first television interview with her. But if you listened yesterday, Marcy Wheeler was here. One of the things she suggested everybody do is read the, as she described it, the AP story, the interview with this woman, because that hit first. It was the, it was in the, the New York Times, put out by the Associated Press. But NBC News, and, and I did, and I linked to it from, um, uh, from the post where yesterday's show was posted. It's at NicoleSandler.com slash 2-21-23. Today's show will be posted at NicoleSandler.com slash 2-22-23. See how easy that is to figure out where to find the shows? Anyway, um, uh, so, you know, I read the article, but nothing prepared me for seeing this woman being interviewed. So apparently she's about 30 years old. Okay. The fact that she's never voted bothers me. Anybody who hides their head in the sand and doesn't vote, I think doesn't get to participate in our society, but hey, nobody asked me. So again, allegedly, this interview on NBC was her first televised interview. And let's just hear a little bit of it, okay? Just a little bit of it. Here we go. Emily Kors told the New York Times that, quote, it is not a short list. Late today, NBC's Blaine oh, Alexander I, I, also I did, sat down I didn't with Kors for her enough. first Hold televised on. interview. She shared more on what to expect from that list. Okay, here's, here's, the, here's the interview. So Claire. we're talking about more than a dozen people? I would say that, yes. Okay. Are her faces she makes names, are just names weird. That would know? There are certainly names that you would recognize. Did the grand jury recommend an indictment of former President Trump? I'm not going to speak on exact indictments. I don't think think that there are any giant plot twists coming. I don't think that there are any like giant, that's not the way I expected this to go at all. Mm. I, I don't think that's in store for anyone. Okay. Um, you know, that, that's, that's all. Uh, We don't need to hear more, but really, um, and there were other interviews where she got, she was laughing at inappropriate times. You know, David, my husband, he opined that this could be a plant, that the goal might just be to um, have her go out there and discredit the whole thing. Um, and no. So, so Sandy, Environmental Coffee House in the chat room said, should the head of the grand jury have done this before the indictments? No, the answer is no. It's a big, fat no. In fact, every pundit, every legal expert who um, opined on this said this is unheard of. We've never, ever seen a grand jury foreperson come out and do this. I don't know what her motivation is. In all these interviews, didn't anybody ask her why and at whose behest? She was coming forward to give out information that she didn't have the right to disseminate? I wonder. I want to know who booked her for these interviews. Because she doesn't seem, um, you know, aware enough 
to do that. And yeah, Rick Smith said they made her jury four person. <laughs> With the mugging for the camera and all that. I, I don't know. I don't know. But isn't it irresponsible that none of these journalists who are interviewing her asked her why? Why are you coming forward? Why are you speaking to all these media outlets? What is the purpose behind this? I'm guessing maybe somebody did. But uh, if they did, we don't know anything about it. We haven't been told. Uh, Joby says she wasn't bound by the judge. Yes, she well, she was bound not to talk about any of the specifics. And she, yeah, she did at least five interviews in, I think, the last 24 hours. So, yes, two things. I want to know what the judge's instructions were. And two, I want to know who booked her for all these interviews. Somebody had to get on the phone with the various producer bookers on the TV networks and the reporters who did the interviews for the newspapers. I want to know who set this up. The key words being set up. She seems nervous. That's what the laughter is, the nervous laughter. Um, it's in What's News. I have a, a, a shorter piece. Let me see if I, can, if I can pull it up here, if I have the edit here, uh, where you just hear the giggling. I wonder if it's in here. Let's see. Did the grand jury recommend an indictment of former President Trump? I'm not going to speak on exact indictments. Would we be surprised? Are there bombshells of who is I being don't think, for indictment? I don't think that there are any giant plot twists coming. I don't think that there are any, like, giant, that's not the way I expected this to go at all. Ah. I, I don't think that's in store for anyone. So okay. nothing that would surprise people who have been following this. Uh, <laughs> Here's where she like, um, she like hyperventilated, giggling. So that's when we heard a lot of testimony. Um, but probably not. It probably wouldn't shock you. I would not expect you to be too shocked. No. I would not expect you to be too shocked. No. You know, Kim Chi in the chat room said, uh, uh, in answer to a question from Larry R., and I don't know what the question was, Kim Chi wrote, because she is stupid and loves Trump. I think there's ample evidence that she's not the brightest bulb in the chandelier, but that she loves Trump. I think this woman's apolitical. I don't think she loves anyone. I think she was shocked by the evidence that she heard in this in this grand jury uh, investigation. And this was a grand jury that was there for fact-finding, to gather information, not to indict anybody. In fact, uh, people are asking, what's Fannie Willis waiting for? Well, she's waiting for the next grand jury to be impaneled because she needs to get them to sign off on indictments, if I understand correctly. Again, when it comes to legal things, don't quote me on anything. I'm not a lawyer. I don't play one on the radio. I, I'm just, I, you know, I, I, I read and I watch TV and I listen and I'm informed, but I don't know. But I believe Fannie Willis needs to run any potential indictments through the next grand jury, which I believe will be seated at the beginning of March. Again, don't. Don't trust me. David, you coming to correct me? No, I'm not coming oh. to correct you. I'm coming to say this fucking woman pisses me off tremendously. This is just her goddamn 
shot at becoming famous or infamous this is her 15 or minutes. whatever. Yeah, yep. this is her 15 minutes of fame. And, and you know, fuck everybody else if this jeopardizes an investigation that, you know, it only has to deal with one of the most important things that's happened in the last, oh, 300 years. But it's her shot at her 15 minutes of fame. And I hope it winds up with her ass in jail because she should not in any way have even considered doing anything like this. What other juries, even, even for fucking traffic tickets? I've never, I've heard jurors in a regular trial after a verdict is handed down, go before the cameras and answer questions, but never someone from a grand jury, never. Well, and as you pointed out, after a verdict was handed down, you don't do this. You just don't fucking do this. And I hope this woman winds up in jail. Um, And I I don't know, Uh, you know, we got to get Lisa Graves back on. I'll I'll get her on one day next week. Um, Actually, Lisa Graves had been unavailable because she, at at her uh, place of work, True North Research, was busy working on, I think, or on her own time, working on the Wisconsin Supreme Court elections. Now, you wouldn't think the Wisconsin Supreme Court election is a uh, is a an election of national interest. Au contraire, mon frere, um, it is. And, well, when Lisa comes on, hopefully next week, we'll talk about it. But coming up in just a little while, Harvey J.K. will be here. Uh, And he lives in Wisconsin. He's the professor emeritus of democracy and justice studies at the University of Wisconsin at Green Bay. And he may know some of these answers. Um, uh, Wishing her in jail is wrong. If she endangers this prosecution because she's got a big mouth and she thought, oh, I can get on TV, how is that wrong? How, why is that? Why would that be wrong to wish her in jail? If she endangers the prosecution, if it results in a mistrial of some sort because of that, how could you, how could you, um, have a problem with that. All right, I might regret this, but hi, who's this? This is Mike. Mike? Mike from New Mexico? Yes. Hi, Mike. What's on your mind? Well, I just, I I heard uh, Nicole's husband, and I, I I just had a response to, to what he said. I don't necessarily disagree, but I, I had a response. Okay. Well, you're on the air. Oh. Oh, oh hi. okay. Is this the call? It is. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. So what I was wondering is, does he eat with that ball? Yeah, and thank you for calling. Nice to talk to you. Uh, what's what's this guy's name? We have a troll in New Mexico. Um, and this is why I, I always hesitate before I take a call from New Mexico. I, I, I know his name. Um this is a guy who, uh, you know, I, I think we should take out a restraining order on because, frankly, he hate listens to this show and all the other shows on progressive voices. Um, and uh, he's not worth our time. So anyway, he, he's offended by words. So, hey, uh, whatever you said your name was, fuck off, buddy. Don't listen to the show if you have a problem, if you have a problem with words. Um, words. Yeah. Words will hurt sometimes. I feel like playing the treason song again. Oh my god! Um, so anyway, I I I knew I shouldn't have. I knew I shouldn't have done that, but it's okay. 
I didn't let him say much. So anyway, other stuff is going on today. Um, Did you hear the former guy went to, not Palestine, but East Palestine, Ohio, because he wanted to... um, um, You want to talk to the troll? Excuse me, my name was taken in vain, so um, (laughs) I I do need to address that uh, transgression. Uh As far as my wishing this woman in jail, the Lard Father's entire ethos Mm -hmm. is structured around doing crimes, and then when he gets caught for doing crimes, stretching the process out as far as he possibly can in the hope that he'll either at worst be able to negotiate some sort of lesser penalty or have things happen like what occurred with the election where now Republicans are in control of Congress. So things that would have otherwise implicated him magically disappear. That's right. If this fucking woman causes this delay by five minutes, it benefits that traitorous piece of stinking rancid dog shit. Okay. And she belongs in jail and fuck the guy from New Mexico who just called. Yeah. Sideways. I'm not even going to say his name. I have his name. I have his phone number. I believe I have his place of business. And yet he, you should see, well, you shouldn't. He sends us emails. I just, I have them routed to go right into the trash. And I do hesitate when I see a 505 call come up because... Yeah, yeah, I don't have time for that shit. Yeah, David's pissed, and for good reason. You know, it it appears that Fonnie Willis has put together one hell of a case. And I can't wait to see her get together with Jack Smith and prosecute Donnie for T-R-E-A-S-O-N. If you don't get the reference, go back to the beginning of the show and listen. Okay, um, so hi, yeah, I'm looking over because Harvey J.K. should be joining us any moment now, and I mean I could go on to something else, um, but I don't really want to start something else before. Uh, uh, well, I, I guess we will because I don't know where Harvey is, and there's a fly on my thing. Oh, there, and now he's coming now. So I'll tell you what. While we get the uh, the shot together, and I, I, I keep hunting for Harvey, uh, we, can, we can look together, can't we? Well, where is he? Where is who? Where is Harvey? Oh, you mean Harvey J.K. Yeah, Harvey. Well, he's coming up right now on the Nicole Sandler Show. There he is. Hey, Harvey <laughs> J.K. I know, you hey, just Nicole. live hey. to, to hear that intro all the time. <laughs> It's great. It really is great. <laughs> so it's been a while since we've spoken. For those who don't know Harvey, he is the Professor Emeritus of Democracy and Justice Studies at uh, University of Wisconsin at Green Bay. Get that right? Perfect. And the exactly. author of many, many books, including, and this is the one I used to sort of riff uh, on a cover of name of a book for today's show, Take Hold of Our History, Make America Radical Again. So Harvey, are we radical enough for you yet? Oh, you're putting it up. Are we radical enough for you yet? Or is this radical in the wrong direction? Hardly. You may be, but the the wrong people are radical, I think. (laughs) 
Uh, the, um, well, right now we have a radical snowstorm taking I, place. Yeah. So this this storm, I have it in What's News, uh, started like in California. It's going all the way across yeah. the country to Maine, but they say the Midwest, right where you are, is going to get hit the worst. How bad yeah, is well, it? Over overnight we had a few to several inches. Then for a while it stopped. It started up again. It's going to go all the way through till I think till midnight now. Then it's going to stop again. It's going to pick up again in the morning around 6 a.m. So I think we'll we'll end up with anything from 10 to, maybe I'm exaggerating. They said up to 18, but maybe 10 to 15. Who knows? I mean, it's like that. And can I, it, And it's 80 degrees here right now. So <laughs> <laughs> sorry. You know, people wonder, how could I'm wearing these little tank tops in the middle of winter? Well, it's Wait, 80 degrees. Where are you these days? I'm still in South Florida. We are, we're headed to Arizona, but oh, we're still in Florida. In still Florida. still okay. in Florida. Well, Florida. We, were into, we, were, we made it to South, well, not to South Florida. We made it to the Gulf Coast oh. for two weeks in the last part of January, beginning of February. It was the first time ever that I've spent that kind of time in Florida. Oh, but, no. And you didn't even call and tell me you were here? Well, it's quite a distance, isn't yes, it? Yes, from, from the Gulf Coast. Yeah. Well, uh, Sarasota, well, oh, Sarasota. Sarasota. You know? Oh, but let's talk about that in a moment. But first, David's here. He's got a few words to say. Hi, Harvey. <laughs> Um, Hello, hey, David, I, uh, I can't remember whether it was last time or one of the other times that we'd spoke, but I told you I've been watching these um, uh, uh, videos from the great courses on yeah. Prime Video, and I told you there was a professor from Green Bay, uh, Professor Andrade, and you said that you know him, and I told you there was somebody else, and I finally was able to get the name. It's, her name is Joyce Salisbury. And well, Joyce, Joyce and I were absolutely buddies. I mean, she's in she's in Florida these days, right? I mean, well, I don't know. Lives, I just sure I just saw the video. She's doing a series on the Middle Ages on Prime yeah, Video. I, in fact, I could tell you that if she was one of my closest buddies hmm. back in the '80s into the '90s. Yeah, and then she left. She took very early retirement, and she and her partner, I think, went down to Florida, and they were doing. She was doing lectures on cruises. She was doing, not surprising, the great lectures, if that's what you're referring mm -hmm. to. Um, Joyce and I were just really, really buddies. Well, you yeah. need to start cashing some of this Amazon Prime money, Harvey. I mean, hell, if she can do a course, you can, <laughs> you do, can do a course. Yeah, I, 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 I want to see Harvey JK on Amazon Prime Great Courses. I have to tell you that one of my biggest problems in life, although I've never thought it was a problem because life goes on, is I don't, I don't, I have a really energetic, enthusiastic, eager to do things kind of spirit, but I've never been good entrepreneurially, I guess is the best way to put it. I've never felt the urge to make more money hmm. or I would have stayed <laughs> on wall street back in the, in the early seventies. So you're not a good self promoter, huh? I love, I'm, I'm you're a good self promoter. Self -prom well, at least I on self promote, but mostly I ha because there's a cause I, I associate with my actions. I mean, I, my goal, is, I mean, right now, for some years now, I've been pushing the whole idea of an economic bill of rights, and and, and there has been response around the country. I mean, I, I, I actually feel, I'm, I have a feeling that in the course of this year, we will hear more and more about the possibility of an economic bill of rights, not because of the Biden administration, I, I'm sure of that, but because I do, Bernie's got a new book out. That's what I hear, and okay. you've been reading I've, it, Yeah. A very dear friend of mine, speaking of Sarasota, he left he left New College in Sarasota. He's now teaching at the School of Public Policy at Rutgers. A young guy named Mark Paul has a major book coming out on the need for an economic bill of rights with the University of Chicago Press. Um, 
in West Virginia, there are progressive Democrats who are on the verge of really taking control of the party, and they're interested in it. Here in Wisconsin, a number of progressive legislators, including my own assemblywoman who's leading the charge, are pushing for a Wisconsin Economic Bill of Rights. The Massachusetts Democratic Party, in convention, actually embraced the idea of an Economic Bill of Rights. So that's been my cause, and I'm not making any money off that cause. Well, you should you should cash some of that sweet, sweet Amazon money, and then you might be able to afford to buy a senator or a <laughs> Wisconsin Supreme Court justice, Harvey. Oh, that we're going to talk about the Wisconsin Supreme That would help Supreme. aid your cause. Hopefully, All right, I better shut yeah, up or Nicole's going to get pissed. Yeah, get out of here. Hopefully, the Wisconsin Supreme Court will not be able to be bought um, uh, fairly soon. So yesterday was yes. election day in Wisconsin, right? Right. And some people say it was the most important vote, at least of this year. Right. But Bef- um, leading, but between now and the 2024 elections for this Wisconsin Supreme Court. And and just so people know, the winner of the private, you know, it's like a jungle primary. So the two top vote getters move on. And it's the liberal who got through along with a a conservative. Right. It's the liberal um, Janet Protasiewicz. It's a fascinating Polish name. I don't. I have yet to master Protasiewicz, it. I think, and conservative right. Daniel and I have Kelly. To tell you, right? coincidentally, maybe it was Auger. Yesterday, of course, was Mardi Gras Fat Tuesday. Yes. Yep. And as you, and maybe you don't know it, but wherever Poles, Polish people, Polish Americans are, there is a donut that's produced on that day. Yesterday, a donut um, okay. called. Puchkis or punchkis, okay. P-A-C-Z-K-I, and they are phenomenal. And they <laughs> fill up with everything from raspberry, strawberry. Mm. I happen to like the prune one. I mean, it's just fabulous. So they they were out yesterday. We actually bought a half a dozen to share with our together and with neighbors and, and a postman and people like that. And uh, so maybe it was only appropriate that a Polish-American should win the vote yesterday. And in fact, her vote equaled the votes of the two conservatives who, ran, who were running. So... Even though it wasn't greater than 50%, it was 46%. There was another liberal running, an African-American fellow who's, I'm, I'm actually forgetting his name because I didn't think of him as a major candidate, given who I wanted. And the the final the final is in April. I'm forgetting yep. the date. It is. I will tell you in a moment. Is it April 4th? Let's see. Um, uh, I don't have it here. I believe it's. Um, I'll, I, I'm not sure. Yes, it is in April. I, I must yeah. have cut it out of my and story. The significance of the, this whole thing is, in good part, keep this in mind that this state legislature, when Scott Walker won the governorship, the, the Republicans took control of our state legislature, and they reapportioned the state. They pretty much set it up so the Republicans could not lose forever, okay, forever. And now at the state level, we've elected a a Democratic governor now twice. Yes. A, a Democratic attorney general twice. Mm-hmm. So overall, you can imagine the Democrats have a slim majority hold in this state. But given the districting, the Republicans have us by the neck. I mean, they're they're choking us, you might say. Right. So but and the Supreme Court of the state is the one that will decide on questions of that reapportionment legitimacy or a new one coming up, that kind of stuff. Right. And right now, uh, Supreme Court is a narrow four. It's a four, three conservative majority. This seat, yeah. if if Miss uh, Protaskowitz wins, will flip it four, three right. liberal yeah. 
And 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 here here's what I pulled from my research this morning. Experts say that this is the most important election in the U.S. ahead of the big one in 2024. A yeah. major change in Wisconsin, the most consistent, close battleground state in the country, could affect you. And they say why? Abortion, control of the house, gerrymandering, um, all these issues. I yeah. guess come, you know, a, a lot will depend on what happens in Wisconsin. Now, you know, Wisconsin is interesting because Wisconsin is also ground zero for progressivism in this country. Isn't it really where the progressive movement well, began? Well, it really is. I mean, just so everyone knows, back in the early part of this century, we had a, there was a political family, the first figure to come out of that political family, although it was both he and his wife were major figures, was Robert LaFollette Sr., mm -hmm. And Robert LaFollette Sr. ran as a Republican originally, but he was so outraged by the corruption, the buying and selling of Republican office holders by, by the railways and other big corporations, he split from the party and basically became known as the progressive Republican, which is not unusual. The progressives really seem to have emerged out of the Republican Party because that's also Teddy Roosevelt who comes out of the Republican Party. Right, right. So, so he becomes, he's, he's governor and then he's senator. And it really is the case that he is a progressive. There's undeniably. And then when he passed, he actually ran in 24 for president um, and had the backing of progressives and socialists and others on the, on the left. And he didn't win. And then his, on his death a couple of years later, a few years later, his son, Robert LaFollette Jr., mm -hmm becomes the gov becomes senator that's right senator and then later his other son becomes governor his other son is not somebody i have any affection for okay he has a and he had a tendency towards i i won't go i won't quite say yeah it wasn't fascism or anything like that but it had, it was decidedly not a progressive kind of democratic politics that you and i would embrace but the but but robert lafollette jr was significant. He was one of the three key senators in advancing many in many ways the New Deal aspirations. Mm -hmm. In spite of the fact he was himself not a capital D Democrat. And I will also tell you, I may have mentioned this to you sometime in the last number of years. Yeah. In 1936, I believe, 34, 36, 38, Franklin Roosevelt actually turned his back essentially on the Democratic Party in Wisconsin because the Progressive Party with the capital P was more representative and more supportive of the New Deal. So anyhow, yeah, it, we are the state that gave rise to really pro capital P progressive politics. Right. And, then, and, and so to on. this day, the you still have is, the to this day, you still have the Fighting Bob Festival, right? That's for Bob LaFollette. Every, right? every year. I haven't been to it in many, many years because it's out in the southwestern part of the state. But yes. And, and we also still have the progressive magazine out of Madison. Right. The uh, foremost progressive, uh, to my mind, you know, political writer is probably John Nichols, and That's right. he's right. He's a Madison boy. That's right. You know? um, so, and we have we have the strangest combination. We've got this right wing ARSE arse named right, named Ron Johnson. <laughs> oh God, who beat one of the great progressive senators yeah. in Russ Feingold. And I still right. don't Absolutely. understand that. And, you know, Wisconsin is an interesting story because around the time that Ron Johnson beat Russ Feingold inexplicably, um, Wisconsin elected Scott Walker as governor. And he yeah. rose to national prominence by being cruel and a bully and horrible. And there was talk of him, you know, running for president and, and running did. the board. He ran for president, but he fizzled out. I'm bringing this up. Because I see many similarities between Scott Walker 
and Ron DeSantis, who we have to deal with oh, now. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So De- I want definitely. I wanted to explore that with you because this man, every day, he throws more fascist shit against the wall to see what sticks or to distract us from what's really going on and to get his name in the press more and more. But he does remind me of Scott Walker. Scott Walker, however, was never, ever, excuse me the way I'm putting this, as smart as as Ron DeSantis. And that's not saying much. Sorry. No, I mean, Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSantis has is well I mean, educated. He, has he, ha- he is well educated. And that's what I always say. He's more right. dangerous Scott than Walker Trump never, because he's never, better educated. To this day, no one knows why Scott Walker dropped out of Marquette University in his final year. Might even have been his final semester. Wow. The theory, the theory was always that he was caught cheating or who knows what. Okay. I, we don't know. But the fact is, so he didn't have a degree. So he didn't have much respect for higher education. And uh, and and people saw how limited intellectually and and in pure, pure personality terms he was when he was on the debate stage. He was he was he was he. You know what? If you had to compare him to somebody, and may, I don't know if you're old enough to know the reference, it would probably be he'd be like the evil Howdy Doody. <laughs> I know Howdy Doody. It's Howdy Doody time. It's Howdy Doody time. That's no, all I, mean, I know. He but... was like a, he was like this come. come I could never understand how he got elected to begin with. You're right. It was a shock that these kinds of things happened. You know, I came to a state that by the time I came in the late 70s, it wasn't exactly the progressive state it once had been. But we were the state that first gave, first afforded public employees the right to bargain collectively. And, of course, Scott Walker's legacy, amongst other terrible things, is that he and his Republican legislature stripped public employees of our right to bargain collectively, to organize and bargain collectively. Then you get a guy like Ron Johnson, who is also not smart at all. No, no. I mean, not smart at all, which only, you know, Mm -hmm. I've said this to you before. I I know you kind of, I think it's, uh, to me, victories by someone like Scott Walker, by Ron Johnson, and even in many ways, I'll even go further and I'll say even by uh, by Ron DeSantis, these Uh kinds of Republican victories tell you how badly the Democrats turned their backs decades ago on working people, which, by the way, is very much at the heart of this book. I've just finished reading the brand new book by Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders. Sanders. What's the what's the the book called? It's called. um, Sure, I just left the book downstairs. <laughs> oh, don't don't worry about it. It's the new book it's, by Bernie Sanders. Okay, it's basically, it's something like it's okay to be angry about capitalism, and uh, basically, oh. it's yeah, it's in part, in part, it's a memoir of his campaign, the twenty twenty campaign, mm-hmm. the first okay. part. All right. First, then it goes. Then he, but after he does that, he he basically talks to to why it is, of course, that working people, and he means on the broader sense, working people, feel so angry about the state, the situation in the United States, and he makes it clear and goes through every field imaginable the degree to which, first of all, the Republicans, with the help of certain you know dumbass senators in the Democratic Party, have been able to literally destroy destroy the democratic achievements that I, as I see it, of the thirties and the sixties and mm-hmm. so on. But he, but he holds the full, basically he doesn't only hold mansion and cinema accountable. He names all the names of the eight folks who voted against the fight for 15. He talks about the way in which the democratic party ganged up on him to force him out of the race in 2020. Yeah. 
it's amazing. Oh, I, 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 I got to get a copy of this. Yeah. No, and I will. I'm, I'll hold my criticisms, which uh, to the end of this. It's it's called. It's okay to be angry about capitalism. Yeah, I think that's what I said. Something like it's okay to be angry about capitalism. So and and which is by the way, it's not quite co-authored, but it's co-authored by John Nichols, my buddy. Ah, from, nice. If you look inside, it says with John Nichols. Uh huh. But you know, imagine this. I mean, Bernie is a U.S. senator. How much time could he have taken to do key writing? I mean, it, <laughs> surely John would have been talking to him. Forever and ever and ever, and John would have. I mean, John never told me. He insists that it's Bernie's book, but I can tell you, then, it's it's hard to imagine. I mean, that okay. his voice is in there. Gotcha. Yeah, and so then, so the, and then he goes on and he goes through all these areas in which working people have endured, really endured, such trying times, and why the and why all of America has ended up suffering as a consequence, and he, and then he turns to what needs to be done. In fact, actually, I want to have the book in my hands. I'm going to shout, hoping my <laughs> wife can read me the book, because I want to just read you the agenda that he affords for the future before we okay. leave today, okay? Okay. Okay. Order. okay? I made a big mistake. I left Bernie's <laughs> book downstairs. Can you bring it up to me, please? Oh, good. Okay. Cool. She heard you. All right. So so we will get that from, from Harvey J.K. Now, let me ask you this. Bernie Sanders is now... 80, 81. Yeah. Should should he run for president again? Okay. Well, let me put it this way. Uh, in my heart, well, uh, no. If Bernie runs, I'll vote for him. Me too. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Okay. But I I don't believe he will. I I, I don't believe he'll run. Well, he won't run if Joe Biden is. He's not going to do that. But if Joe yeah, Biden which by, the way, does, which by the way is unfortunate in that sense because I I think Biden right now has got more hype than he de ever deserves. <laughs> I Harvey J K is not a Joe Biden fan. What 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 you got to commend him for the trip to Ukraine? No. Oh oh. By the way, I didn't say he's he's the worst president ever. No, you did okay. not. That, that mm -mm. I mean, yeah, that's great. But we're suffering the consequences of some of his appointments, for example. Yes, we are. I mean, yeah. I, you know who I'm going to put top of the list, probably. Um, uh, it's called the DOT, right? Oh, Pete Buttigieg, Mayo Pete. Buttigieg. Pete. Yeah, it. I, I mean, was going to say God, that, but there I were a few we could we could have mentioned here. But, oh yeah, yeah, no, I'm sure Marty Walsh and Labor. Well, he's out. He's leaving. No, but but we've had two years in which all the talk of. You know, the best president for labor since FDR. Yeah, and meanwhile, and the secretary of labor, I don't know what that, I don't know what he did for those two years. I have no idea. Right. Okay. I do know that Pete Buttigieg did nothing because yes. we ended up not, look, let me just make it clear to people why I feel the way I do. Okay. Please do. First of all, Biden never really went to bat for the kinds of things that Bernie went to bat for as the head of the budget committee. Mm -hmm, okay. Mm -hmm. We didn't get the $15 an hour minimum wage. No. And two of those eight people who voted it down out of the democratic ranks were the other Senator were the senators from Delaware. And you can't tell me that Biden couldn't have twisted arms. And what kind of, what is that? Then the build back better. Bernie worked his ass off. I don't know what Biden ever did to, you know, in those terms. And then more recently, I can tell you I'm a labor guy and, and I make it a point of not forgetting and what they did to the railway workers? Horrible. The fact that they took away their right. Uh, look, the one thing that the 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 railroad workers, it's a number of unions, if I remember correctly, it's like yes. 12 or 13. And a group of them said, we want 
sick pay. We want to we want to be able to be out sick if we're sick. And that yeah. was pulled out and Joe Biden overrode the union vote to say, no, push it through. We'll get them sick days somehow. And, for, and force Congress to screw the railway workers. Yeah, which but I have a problem. With and I want to make too. something clear about this. It's really important. This had been going on for years. The railway companies and there are two major companies that, okay, they were literally laying off workers and not replacing retirees. So what it meant is the railway workers who were still there were being overworked and exploited beyond the most basic sense and and were not afforded sick day. I mean, it is unbelievable, right? This day and age. So then Biden, and I don't know, I assume Buttigieg, but had conversations with the railway owners and couldn't, you're going to tell, look, I'm going to be honest with you. What Biden should have done, and this is why I this is why I find him so inadequate, is he calls them into his office, those railway bosses, and he says to them, "If you do not do this, I will issue an executive order federalizing the railways as a national emergency." Right. He could have done that, okay. Yeah, yeah. And and if people say, "Well, what if he? What if they? You know, the Supreme Court said otherwise." Well, that would have taken a while for them to do that kind of thing. Yeah. So and then and then you know, Buttigieg. First, <laughs> South, by the way, the hey, the he's Southwest got he's going he's going to East uh, Pakistan. What 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 is it? Palestine. He might well go to East, the old East Pakistan tomorrow. Right. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, this is how many weeks have gone by? Two weeks at least. I know, right? I know. But here's, but no, but the point is that he was told to, to that what was going on in the rail in the airlines would lead to a disaster. The disaster occurred. He was told what look, the Obama administration wanted to impose new law new rules on the railways, and that ends up getting that got the kibosh in many ways. Trump lifted whatever was accomplished. Biden did nothing to restore. The rules that would have made probably could have might well have prevented the disaster in southeastern Ohio. I mean, all that, so my point is this that the media literally, well, what New you York know what? Times, Wait, I, I gotta say something because a couple of people are leaving the chat room, <clears throat> and that's fine. Because I'm sorry, that's no, the, no, that's let the me way it is. let me say this. Hold on. They're calling it dem bashing. This is not dem bashing. This is constructive criticism. And if we can't criticize the people who we elect to do the work to make this country better, then we're as bad as the other side. I will not be a blind cheerleader and praise things when I have a criticism. I will praise. I I actually think Joe Biden is doing a much better job than I thought he would. That said... That, but on. that's me. That's yeah, not sure. you. And Harvey J.K. No, he's comes doing with, a better job than I ever than I thought he would. Uh-huh. But that does, look, that, that, that I'm, paid, I'm paid to think. I'm not yes. paid to do anything. I'm retired <laughs> now. But the, but I was paid to spend 45 of my of years offering a critique. Okay? I'm not paid to hype. So yep. so if people are upset by what I say, I'm really sorry, okay? My, that's my job. That's my role in life is to make sure we don't get screwed over and over again. Okay? And I can tell you, it is the case. Look. It's imperative to hear him say what he said and have him follow through that he will not allow them to go after Social Security yep. or Medicare. Yep. That's great. Yep. But I will remind everyone, his entire Senate career, he spent willing to raise, he did join in raising the age for 
Social Security. He was he was vice president to Obama, who said he was willing to put everything on the table. Yep. I mean, let's be careful. It doesn't pay. I'm not I, I just can't just ki I can't kiss ass. OK, that's yep. all I'm going to say. And nor should you. And the, the same way. I will not just pay lip service. I will not say my party right or wrong. When my party's wrong, I'm going to damn well call them out on it because I'm not Fox. I don't make excuses. I I criticize because I care. It, it, it's when you don't criticize, when you say anything they do is fine with me, that you're not doing your homework. So anyway, yeah. So no, Diane and Kimchi left because they don't like what they perceived as the Biden bashing. And I say, well, you know what? Good riddance, I guess. I hope you come back when we're doing a light and fun, silly show. But uh, I think constructive criticism is imperative. Imperative. Well, so you, you know, go. I was down in Florida a few weeks. When I was down in Florida a few weeks ago, I was having lunch with my veteran buddies there, and they all said, "Hey, don't you like Pete? You know, they were praised. They like Pete Buttigieg as a future president." And I said, "No." And I, <laughs> no. And Nobody was paying attention. South, what is South Bend, Indiana, is smaller than the town of Miramar, Florida. Now, people don't remember there was a guy named I think Wayne Messer or something like that, who is the yeah. mayor of Miramar who also ran in the primary against uh, Mayo Pete and the others. Nobody paid any attention to Wayne Messam because Miramar, Florida is a little dumpy town that nothing has ever come out of. Well, South Bend, Indiana is smaller than Miramar, Florida. And Mayo Pete was apparently not even a great mayor. So yeah. why is he being lauded like this? Because he's right. gay? Well, good for him, but... I, there's a lot of gay people around. Doesn't make them qualified to be president or secretary of transportation. Right. That's right. So, so anyhow, so my feeling is that, you know, sure. I, I said I was going to vote for, you know, once Bernie pulled out, I was going to vote. I, I angered a lot of people then when I said I was going to vote for Biden because as much as I didn't like Biden, mm -hmm. I was never going to allow myself to vote for. Of course not. I failed to vote for someone to block Trump. Okay. I mean, it's never in doubt. Okay. Yep. And, you know, so it's striking to me, and I'll just sustain it, and they're not listening here because they left. It's striking to me that if, why have elections otherwise? Okay. Why have, you know, why bother? Or why have campaign? I'm just, I don't do it. It's just not my stuff. Right. Okay? Gotcha. I mean, I swore I'd never vote for Hillary. I voted for her when I had to, but because I swore, you, you, and, I, and by the right. way, and she was an awful candidate. She and, was like an abysmal candidate. Yeah, primaries are one thing. Primaries are when you can shoot for the stars. You vote for the person you think will do the best job, who right. who 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 agrees with you most of the time. In the general. In the general, I vote against a candidate. It's just historically how it's happened. In the primary, I vote for someone. In the general, I vote against the other guy. On the same wavelength, my students always say to me, well, how do you choose a candidate? And I said, I vote in the final analysis, I vote defensively. Yeah, right, right. But if Bernie had made it, it would have been the, the first time I ever would have vote truly for. many, many years not voted defensively. Right. I, I mean, you know what? In, I want to say uh, that when I... In the primaries, I, we're going to get to that in a second. In the primaries in 2012, I voted for... Uh, I voted for John Edwards, actually. In the general, I voted for Obama because I thought I thought he'd be much better, a much better president than he was. He was had, it 2012? Was it... That was 2012. 
wait, there was 2008. Oh, 2008. I'm sorry. It was 2008. Yeah, I knew because I was, 2008. I, voted I voted for Edwards in 2008. Yes, I voted I, for I Edwards in 2000. And then I wound up voting for yeah, Because for we didn't know Obama. yet about what was, I didn't know anything about his, you know. Yeah. Uh, we, know. He had the potential to be a great transformative president and he just wasn't. Yeah. So, right. And people get mad at me and say I'm bashing Obama. I'm not bashing Obama. Let me say this. He's probably the best president we've had in the last 40 years, and that's not saying much. That's not saying much, right? Uh, wait, who, who was better? Wait, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I'm willing to say right now, this is going to show, by the way, this is gonna, I've never put it in these terms, but yeah. of the last 40 years, yeah. The best president we've had is Biden. Oh, uh, you know what? I might agree with you. Biden better than Obama. I, but that I, doesn't say anything. No, but but about. again, we're talking about the people who made it to the White House. Carter, Reagan, Bush, Clinton. Yeah, right. I mean, my God, we're talking we're talking about mediocrities, and not just not just mediocrities, people who truly, in some cases screwed us or would have been happy to do so. Yes. Okay. And, and and that's what I said, 40 years, not 50. And I know that Johnson gets a bad rap because of Vietnam. And that's a pretty bad thing yeah, to hang right. on him. But if you can, if you can put Vietnam aside, which I know is very difficult to do, Johnson was a great president. Do you disagree? Yeah, but now, but you can't put shock. Vietnam aside. Here's a shock for you. If you count back 50 years, it's not... It's LBJ. not even Johnson. Oh, my God. He's more than 50 years. Oh, we're fucking old. And you're older than me. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Yep, you're right. Okay. Right. Uh, math yeah. is not my strong suit. Look, and I, I know people may not be happy to say this. I, I think Hubert Humphrey would have been a good president. I think so. You know, and, I, and it's, it's a tragedy that he, he just couldn't get out of Johnson's shadow that year. George you know? McGovern, I think, would have been a good president. Yeah, I was, I was 72. I came back from England, and I, I was pretty much on the left, and I voted for a socialist that year. Oh, it's your fault. See, I voted for, I voted <laughs> for, I didn't vote for George McGovern because I was in, like, seventh grade. But yeah. I was in a mock election, and I was George McGovern. And you know what I did? I we got a mailer. I remember this so clearly. And I took the mailer from the McGovern campaign and I copied it over in longhand and I read that as my speech as McGovern and I lost. But oh, that's very so sweet. Well, I'll also say that I never voted for Carter, period. Really? See, yeah, that was I, my I, first I, vote. I never. He was awful to begin with and he was he got worse as president. I know he's I know he's in hospice right now, but that's not the point. We're talking history now, not I no. I understand. And 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 people even say uh, Carter has is the best post president we've ever had. His post presidency. You yeah, cannot I'm, argue I'm with that. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else we could refer to living that long, in fact. Um, um, 1980. No, he's the longest living American yeah, president. But right. 1980 was my first vote. First vote was a vote against Ronald Reagan. And well, yes, I voted, I voted for Jimmy Carter. Yeah. I was I, in 1980. No, wait. In, yeah, 1980, I voted for Barry Commoner, the Citizens Party. Yeah. See, you're the problem. Yeah, you're like I, the people I, who I vote green. Never do that again. You're like I the people who today vote green party up and down the ticket. That's all no, they'll do. It's only I, vote green. I was young. I was a mere 40 years old. I was, <laughs> I was young. No, I wasn't I even. I, wait a minute. I was 30 years old. What am I talking about? I was 30 years old. You're, 
How? Uh, yes, because I was 20. You were 30. You're 10 years older than me. That's right. Oh, man. So, so, uh, so in retrospect, you still say Jimmy Carter was a terrible president. Oh, oh, I, yeah. There's a conversation I have with colleagues of mine. It goes, and every so often we go back to the same subject. Who's the worst? Carter, Clinton, or Obama? Clinton. And I, I stood with, I, I think Carter, I think Clinton, I think Clinton was the worst because he had eight years of it. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, Obama had eight years. But Carter is the one. But here's why. Here's my argument about Carter. If Carter had not done what he did, we would never have had Reagan, ever. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. And if you need me to tell you what he did? I'll do it sometime. Okay. But yeah, that you 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 know that that takes us down a whole rabbit hole because. If if uh, Jeb Bush hadn't stolen the election for his brother, we wouldn't have invaded Iraq. We wouldn't have had Afghanistan. Yeah, but we, wait, we could but say no, no. Seriously, I mean Carter is the guy who started neoliberalism, and he brought Volcker in. Wait, he turned his back on labor. He turned his back on the consumer movement. He turned his back on the environmentalists, and he launched. By the way, the first the first major political figure. To call for austerity was Jimmy Carter as Ooh. president of the United States. Ooh. It's all in the book, The Fight for Ooh. the Four Freedoms. It's astounding. So as a consequence, he would never have been primaried by Kennedy if he had not done those things. And I don't think Kennedy cut. By the way, Reagan won because people, the Democrats, like We're millions split, of Democrats right? didn't vote. Right, right. Right. I'm going to vote for Reagan. Ever. Well, you know what? And that's what happened here in Florida. Just so you know, I got to I got to say this because people keep going. Ron DeSantis won by a landslide. He won by a landslide, but but very few more votes in 2022 than he got in 2018. The problem is Democrats didn't show up because the Democrats nominated a Republican light. Democrats nominated Charlie Crist. We gave them no reason to come out and vote, so they stayed home. Uh, DeSantis barely beat uh, uh, Andrew Gillum back in 2018 yeah. by a right. tiny, tiny yeah. percentage. Yeah. And he only garnered a few more thousand votes this time out. The difference is the Democrats said, you gave me nobody to vote for. I'm not voting. That's well, why he won by yeah. a landslide. Not yeah. because he's so popular. Right. Yeah. Well, we all we all learn. I get, well, someday. No, we, no, we don't. <laughs> That's uh, the problem. No, obviously, we don't all learn. No, it's true. You know, but uh, what I was going to say is that one of the things, so I'm, when I read the book today, yes. I read through it. Yes, okay. you want to read a paragraph or a part of it for well, us. Well, I, I don't actually need to because I want to make a few, I want to okay. say a couple of things. Okay. Well, first of all, Bernie's still Bernie yeah. in this book, yeah. for good and for bad. And the bad is that the things I said over and over again in 2000, how, how long we how long have I been? Well, I used to do a show every week or every other week. You used to do the show it's every like, other week, and that was like 10 years ago or something. We've been doing least, this a long right? time. It's got to be it's got to be at least 10 years, yep. I would think. Yep. So the yeah, Jesus. I know. Sonia, the thing is that Bernie when he ran in 2015-16 and then again in 2019-20, the one thing he didn't do and I've always said this which angered me is as much as there would be references to Franklin Roosevelt in a major speech. When as soon as he went on the campaign trail and then went on the debate stage, he also then forgot to even bring up FDR's name. 
And in this book, he talks about the second round of debates where he was on stage with Bloomberg and Buttigieg and, uh-huh. and Uncle Tom Cobbley and all, as they would say in England. Um, he was attacked by them. I mean, seriously attacked. By the way, I mean, Warren went after him with a knife in his back. Buttigieg, yep. you know, yep. said things. They all said things. He never, he didn't even have to get angry, Bernie. He could just have said, wait a minute. Let me bring FDR into the room. Because what, what did they do? They accused him of trying to wreck the economy with, with Medicare for all. Mm-hmm. That's what they would have done to, with FDR. They would have said, Social Security, you're going to wreck the economy. So Bernie still just can't bring himself to properly articulate the historical stuff that would give propulsion to the arguments. Look, everything Bernie wants to see happen has a long history of movement, and articulation and voices calling for these things in the United States. Hell, all the way back to Thomas Paine, frankly, in the American Revolutionary years. But Bernie just makes it out as if, like, he'll, he'll make a, 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 a nod, a given nod to FDR, but he doesn't articulate the degree to which, for example, he talks about in 1944, FDR did call for an economic bill of rights. Okay. Mm-hmm. But the fact, yes, he, he but did. then he sort of says, but it didn't get much attention. Hell, it didn't. The fact is, labor unions, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, the Congress of Racial Equality, a national farmers group, there was a massive movement to get FDR reelected to secure an economic bill of rights. So it's like Bernie just, he doesn't tell people, look, in 1943, FDR saw polling done that showed 85% of Americans wanted national health care. Why don't you remind people that the folks who we've, who we celebrated for years, known as the greatest generation, right. would be outraged at our generation's failure to secure Medicare for all. I agree, I mean, yeah. Let Bernie empower himself with the past and empower us with it. That's what my criticism. Right. But look, and Dar just said in the chat room what I was going to say. Bernie should have called himself an FDR Democrat. His insistence on calling himself a socialist has hurt him. And frankly, it's stupid because the people who bitch about the socialists don't know what the word means. And they're conflating you know, Venezuelan socialism with um, something that with with what Bernie is. And and we've been over this, but it's it's just the optics or in this case, the the audio. I will explain. I will tell you, this is interesting. I just wrote this major piece for this book that's coming out in in about a year about FDR's political thoughts. FDR started out as a capital P progressive, you know, like La Follette and, and all the others. In the in the 1920s, he helped develop what came to be called American liberalism. Mm-hmm. Well, in 1932, when he ran for president against Hoover, he ran, and Hoover accused him of being a socialist. But the fact is, and this is the case, everything that FDR was calling for was clearly what we would call social democracy. That's right. But FDR was smart enough to know if he uses the term social democracy, they're going to say, hey, you're a socialist. That's right. And by the, and he and he had good reason not to. The American, the, Eugene Debs, the co-founder of the Socialist Party in the United States back in 1900, when they first founded the Socialist Party in the United States, the name of the party was the Social Democratic Party. Okay. In the late 19th century, the anarchist movement in this country called itself the Social Democratic Party. So FDR knows enough to say, okay, I won't use a term that will alienate people. Mm -hmm. What's the difference? I'll go after it. 
I'll call it a new deal and liberalism. Semantics. At one point, right. he even used the term right. economic democracy occasionally, but he didn't touch social democracy. Uh, there you so go. All Bernie would have had to do, exactly as your listener was saying, is I'm an FDR Democrat. Yes, that's it. And and uh, people who are afraid of the word socialism oh, would embrace that. Yes, that's right. I know. And it's all semantics. It's just semantics. Because it's the same yeah. thing, right? Uh. Yeah. The, I mean, you know, I'm watching the storm come down on us, which is Ooh. actually kind of cozy to be able to sit inside and watch the snowfall, even if it piles up. And I only feel bad for people who are trying to get home in the in the snow. I, I, I feel bad for anybody who has to walk outside in that. I'm sorry. It is now 6.03 p.m. here in South Florida. It is 79 degrees and sunny. God, I feel sorry for you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's human. We slant. So that's uh, why we're going to Arizona for the dry heat. Good for you. That's great. Do you have a? Do you have an ETA in Arizona? Uh, April. It, it'll be sometime in April. We're leaving. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm also. Let's hope, let's hope that your arrival means that ever after Arizona will only vote in left-leaning Democrats. They did this time, and look, yeah. that's what it took. Florida went the fascist route. Arizona went blue. We're going to Arizona. Yeah, by the way, one last thing, and then I should get going, and yes. I'm sure you should too. Yeah, we're late already. We're in overtime. When the, when the liberal won the Supreme Court primary, okay? Yes. It is important for people to know that young people on college campuses turned out, apparently, in much greater numbers than ever, ever in a primary for a Supreme Court Wow. Awesome. It was like way up. Now, why would that be the case? Because young people are fed up with fascists. So don't write off the young people. I will not. No, I know you won't. But it is important to encourage folks, really encourage them. The future is not yet written. That's all I can say. Okay. I think DR, so I'll leave it with this. The book of democracy is not complete. Oh, not at all. I just hope it's not complete when the fascists obliterate democracy. I hope democracy wins, but we need everybody to be involved so that doesn't happen. So democracy wins. As you're leaving Florida, I've got one more story for you. Okay. So so for years and years and years, I've been associated with a Florida veterans group called Florida Veterans for Common Sense, named after Thomas Paine's revolutionary pamphlet. And these are, generally speaking, Vietnam-era veterans because the older World War II vets have passed away and the although younger vets from Iraq, Afghanistan are joining the organization. So every year they hold a Thomas Paine birthday gathering that for years I was one of the speakers at, but I was down there for the birthday, but they moved the birthday party a couple of weeks to a couple of weeks later because they wanted to give this year's Thomas Paine award to Congressman Jamie Raskin. Ah, nice. And Raskin wasn't able to get on a plane and fly because he's going through chemotherapy for yes, his cancer. Yep. But he wanted to do what he could. And I have to tell you, it's the irony was that I wanted to be there if, if he could have. And I was the one who helped get Jamie Raskin to be there for them. So he did it on a Zoom. Okay. okay? Yeah. So my friends down in Sarasota sent me a video of his Zoom talk. And he starts off and he says to them, I don't think you guys really exist. You're progressive veterans in Florida? (laughs) In the the belly of the beast? You have got to assure me I am not talking to some front organization. (laughs) Oh, funny. 
gave a great talk, a really great talk. I love Jamie Raskin. I just, you know, he sent out a thank you video to the the Progressive Change Campaign Committee because I guess they had all their, you know, donors and members sign a card of sorts. And so he recorded this video wearing his bandana sent to him by little Steven. And just, he was just, he's so gracious. He's just a brilliant mind and a good person and uber progressive. Yeah, and I first I I've never met him in face to face, but I'm in good. I'm I've become friendly with this communications director, young guy named Jacob Wilson, and they contacted me about a year ago now or so because Jamie Raskin is a huge fan in quotes of Thomas Paine. Ah, so you and wrote the book. He advanced a bill, and so I afforded them this endorsement, and they actually got it through, and Biden signed the bill. There will be, I don't know how soon, it's going to be privately funded, a monument, finally a monument to Thomas Paine somewhere in the oh, District nice. of Columbia. So Very they, nice. I mean, uh, yeah, there's no doubt. Raskin is is real, okay? He's he real. Is. He is. I'll tell you, I'd like to see him as president. Yep, that's great. Are we ready that's for great. our first Jewish president? That's, you know, <laughs> right now in this political climate, uh, oh, yeah, not yeah. gonna hold my breath but thank you very much nicole thank you harvey jk so it is always a pleasure great to see you don't be a stranger stay warm i will do my best i promise okay thanks harvey okay. bye-bye all right bye-bye so much we didn't cover but uh, um hey i thought that was a, a pretty fun spirited discussion you know that's what it is i'll tell you years ago when i was just starting out i produced the bob grant show at WMCA in New York. Bob Grant was one of the original right-wing crazy talk hosts. He'd get off my air, and he'd hang up on people. And, you know, he was just horrible. But you know what? He was a pussycat. And I was 22, I think, when I, when I produced his show, and I would stand up to him. And because of that, he loved me. Um, trying to think where I was going with this. Um, you know, you don't have to be an asshole to have a different um, political viewpoint. And I honestly, I totally lost my train of thought and I do not remember. I guess we know it's the end of the show because I started on to make a point and I and I and I uh, completely lost my point. <laughs> uh, just, you know, I've worked with progressives and I've worked with conservatives um, <clears throat> I was going somewhere, but I don't know where. I don't know where. By the way, uh, for those of you watching the video, see the lovely painting behind me? I got, I got to just show you. Since we are in overtime and I can, this, this is Hart. We've named this dog Hart because listener Elise has commissioned many. Oh, I know. It, what, what Bob Grant used to say is this is the open, idea, open exchange of ideas and opinions. That's why I brought up Bob Grant. Welcome to the show. It's an open exchange of ideas and opinions, although if you pissed him off, he'd hang up on you. I believe in that open exchange of ideas and opinions, and I believe in constructive criticism. It's why I invite you. Yes, Nancy. See, Nancy says, my ex-husband worked for Bob Grant and said it was mostly an on-air act. He was a pussycat. He was a conservative, but he wasn't the asshole that he pretend that he the persona that he put on on the air um but anyway open exchange of ideas and opinions 
Anyway, okay, so this is Heart. So, so listener Elise sends me these really cool photographs that she finds of animals and says, can you paint this one for me? So I don't know if you remember a few months ago, there was this real smiling dog and we named him Raskin because he reminded me of Jamie Raskin. So now uh, um, Elise sent me a photograph of this cute golden retriever with a butterfly on his nose and said, can you paint this? So I'm like, I'll try because uh, I never know if I can do it or not because, you know, I'm still new at this painting thing. But I've named him Hart because Hart had a song called Dog and Butterfly. So um, I had to show you to this today before I uh, wrap her up and send her off. That's Hart. And I still am taking uh, pet portrait commissions. So if you would like um, me to paint your pet portrait, I will do that for you. All right. I will also go now <laughs> because it's the end of the show. Tomorrow... It's Thursday. Howie Klein will be here. Um, and we have a special guest coming on. Uh, we're already looking towards the 2024 congressional elections. And, and Howie has a great candidate who's going to join us tomorrow. And I will let him tell you all about her because um, I frankly don't have my notes in front of me. Um, okay, so uh, with that, we're done. I'll leave you with the news. And I will thank you profusely for listening and for supporting this program and understanding that constructive criticism is not, <clears throat> excuse me, is not bashing. I don't allow bashing on my show unless they're bashing, you know, the former guy or the, the idiots on the right or governor death sentence. I don't bash Joe Biden. I actually kind of like him. I get frustrated at times, and I think he's doing a much better job than I expected from him. That's not bashing. But I will always criticize when there's room for improvement, and I hope you do that too. Okay. Um, uh, Longshot Louie says, study how Feldo interviews Howie. It's effective and informative. Louie, really? First of all, I don't listen to other shows. There's something for you. I don't listen to other podcasts. I used to listen to radio when I'm in the car, but I'm not in the car these days, so I don't really listen. Um, but don't tell me to listen to an, how another host interviews one of my regular guests. What's the point? Just saying, it, you know. Uh, if you want to give me some constructive criticism, you can. But really, tell me to listen to how, okay, whatever. Um, you enjoy that, okay? And I'll talk to Howie how I talk to Howie. Thanks so much for the input. I can be a bitch. I can be a real bitch at times. Um, all right. Oh, I still have yesterday's news up there. I got to give you today's news. So I, I will leave you with the news but I got to get the, the right thing. Um, and yes, I, I, I interview how I interview. And I've been doing it for how many years? I really, really don't need that. But, you know, that's all right. Yeah, you know, and that's the, that's the thing. You are welcome to um, suggest anything you want. I'll just tell you to fuck off because that's how I roll. And I do it with love and a smile on my face. So, you know, there's that. All right. I'll see you tomorrow. If you come back, whatever. Bye. Boom. 
It's time for Nicole Sandler's What's News from NicoleSandler.com and the Progressive Voices Network. President Biden followed up his surprise visit to Ukraine on Monday with a Tuesday speech in Poland, where he said the United States and its allies have Ukraine's back. Biden spoke after he met with the Polish president, Duda, and warned that there were hard and bitter days ahead in Ukraine's war against the Russian forces. Biden didn't mention Vladimir Putin's suspension of Moscow's participation in the last remaining U.S.-Russia nuclear arms control pact, the New START Treaty. But he did double down on the comments made by Vice President Kamala Harris over the weekend and accused Russia of committing crimes against humanity in Ukraine. Well, a strange media tour unfolded on Tuesday as Emily Coors, the foreperson of the Georgia grand jury that weighed evidence of the former guy's attempts to interfere in the 2020 election, went public with a blitz of interviews with various outlets. Though she claimed she was following the judge's orders by not revealing the exact contents of the parts of the report that were held back, she did drop some pretty big hints, peppered with a strange giddiness and nervous laughter. Did the grand jury recommend an indictment of former President Trump? I'm not going to speak on exact indictments. Would we be surprised? Are there bombshells of who is I being don't recommended think, for indictment? I don't think that there are any giant plot twists coming. I don't think that there are any, like giant that's not the way i expected this to go at all i i don't think that's in store for anyone so nothing that would surprise people who have been following this Uh, probably not um i wouldn't want to characterize anyone else's reaction of course but so that was when we heard a lot in testimony um but probably not it probably wouldn't shock you i would not expect you to be too shocked no hmm I can't imagine either side is very happy with Emily Coors today. The Supreme Court on Tuesday heard the first oral arguments in two cases challenging Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act that shields social media companies from liability for users' posts that promote violence. Tuesday's case was Gonzalez v. Google, filed by the family of Nohimi Gonzalez. She was an American college student killed by ISIS terrorists in the 2015 Paris attacks. Her family's arguing that the algorithm used by YouTube recommended videos that spread ISIS propaganda, serving as a terrorist recruitment tool. It appeared that a majority of the justices were skeptical that Google should be held liable, but they did appear to question whether immunity under Section 230 should be narrower than currently interpreted. The second case is being heard today, Twitter versus Tamney. Stay tuned. Voters in Wisconsin went to the polls Tuesday for the first round of their election for the state Supreme Court. Well, the results, liberal Janet Protasiewicz and conservative Daniel Kelly will advance to the general election. Right now, the Supreme Court of Wisconsin has a narrow 4-3 conservative majority. The seat is for a retiring conservative. So if the liberal wins, control of the court flips. And that would have national ramifications. Experts say that this, the election for the Supreme Court in Wisconsin, is the most important election in the U.S. ahead of 2024. While we're talking elections, Virginia went to the polls on Tuesday as well. And it appears that Virginia State Senator Jennifer McClellan will become Virginia's first black congresswoman. With nearly all precincts counted, she led the Republican Leon Benjamin 
74 to 26%. She'll fill the seat that's been vacant since November when newly re-elected Representative Don McEachin died. McClellan is the vice chair of the Virginia Legislative Black Caucus. She served 10 years in the Virginia House of Delegates before winning McEachin's state Senate seat when he went to Congress. So you win one and, well, now this. Rhode Island Democratic Representative David Cicilline announced Tuesday that he's resigning from Congress effective June 1st. Cicilline will take over as president of the Rhode Island Foundation. This opens up a seat on the House Judiciary Committee and... I guess, a new special election to fill the seat? In the meantime, we know that Senator Dianne Feinstein, the 89-year-old senior senator who's been in office since 1992, will finally retire at the end of this session of Congress. Representatives Katie Porter and Adam Schiff have already jumped in the race, and now comes Representative Barbara Lee. She was first elected to the House in 1998, and at 76 years old, will be mounting her first Senate campaign? Hmm. I've got lots to say on that subject, but you'll have to tune into the Nicole Sandler show to hear it. That's live weekday afternoons at 5 Eastern, 2 Pacific on Progressive Voices or download from NicoleSandler.com or wherever you get your podcasts. The situation around East Palestine, Ohio, doesn't appear to be improving. So on Tuesday, the EPA took charge of the cleanup and ordered the rail line Norfolk Southern to pay the bill. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg on Tuesday called for railroad companies in Congress to increase train safety in response to the derailment and, quote, redouble our efforts to make this far less likely to happen again. All righty then. And finally, more than 65 million people in the U.S. are under winter weather alerts today as a massive coast-to-coast storm hits the country with heavy snow and high winds. The alerts extend as far west as California, all the way east through Maine. But the upper Midwest is expected to bear the brunt of the storm in terms of snowfall totals. Minneapolis looks to pick up at least 15 inches of snow. Ooh, the expected conditions have spurred states to take safety measures as travel conditions continue to deteriorate. More than 500 flights scheduled for today have been canceled, with Minneapolis and Denver each accounting for more than 100 of those canceled flights. Stay safe out there. And that's just a bit of what's news for now. I'm Nicole Sandler. If you appreciate these reports and The Nicole Sandler Show, I hope you'll consider making a contribution. My work is listener-supported, and I can't do it without your help. Find out more at NicoleSandler.com, and please click on one of those donate buttons.